Good morning. We are continuing this series called Truth and Love. The Apostle Paul said to the church in Ephesus that we, as the people of God, aren't supposed to be blown to and fro, tossed to and fro by the doctrines of the day, the teachings of the day, or by every opinion of humankind. There's a better alternative. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Grow up into him who is the head into Christ. And so we've, we've looked at kind of some pretty, uh, I guess, hot topics in the culture the last couple months. We haven't avoided these conversations because we believe that the Creator God has a thought about these things. He has revealed that thought, and His thoughts are better than our thoughts. So the most loving thing we can do is explore and hear from the mind and heart of God about these issues that might seem odd to talk about in church, or issues that we wish we didn't have to address in our culture today. And this morning, we continue with that theme. We've got two weeks, uh, Lord willing, left in this series, and We're going to finish with a tough one, but this week, we're going to talk about the topic of marijuana. We're going to talk about, specifically, for most of our conversation this morning, recreational use of marijuana. We're going to discuss this because it's a growing topic in our conversation, no pun intended. There it was. I I waited for you. A growing topic? Anybody? See, I just thought of that right in that moment. I should have left it in that moment. No, it's an issue that's becoming more and more common among this generation. The legalization conversation is growing, and we assume in the coming election cycle that uh, legalization is going to be part of the conversation. And I I felt like the Lord was leading me towards this topic uh, several months ago. Back in June, I began to study this issue because I've never preached on this topic before. And here's the thing. The word marijuana is nowhere in the Bible. So what, what, what are we supposed to say about this, you know? And so I began to study this, and, and what I discovered is way more Americans have smoked pot than I would have guessed. Now, I don't know what your guess is. Maybe it depends on how you're raised or what part of the country you're raised in or whatever. But overwhelming research says that at least 122 million Americans uh, admit to having used marijuana at some point in time in their lifetime, which is around 40% of the culture, Okay. And there's a lot of research that continues to reveal these numbers. Here's the thing about all of that research. Almost all of that research is government-funded or government-backed research. And here's the thing. If you were to get a poll from the government, do you smoke pot? No, but he does. Never, right? And so the growing theory among the people who do research for a living is, We need to have independent research that's not tied to any government agencies. And so specifically Marist University up in New York partnered with Yahoo News, and they just did uh, some recent research that's considered right now to be some of the most accurate research. And their research revealed more than half, more than 50% of Americans admitted in their research to having used marijuana in their lifetime. So this is not an issue that affects a small portion of the country or that's just, you know, the hippie movement or whatever. It's a different day where the majority of Americans admit to having used marijuana at some point in their life. Apparently, it's really easy to get almost 80 percent, over 79 percent of high school seniors said that marijuana is, quote, very easy to uh, to get. And of those 80% that say it's easy to get, a lot of them are using it. Uh, In research over a 12-month period, 
of, of high school seniors going into high school and graduating, 45% admitted to using marijuana their senior year. Among high school, uh, rather college students, according to USA Today, marijuana usage, daily usage, uh, is at the highest rate we've seen in 35 years. So we're, we are kind of going back to the ideology of the 60s, only even more widespread, this idea of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Uh, the difference is the marijuana that's being used today is very different than the marijuana that was being used in the 60s and 70s. Um, uh, this isn't your grandma's marijuana. Not that your, gra- your grandmother ever used <laughs> marijuana. I'm not making that accusation about your grandmother. It's different today. And, and when it comes to this issue, like I said, the word marijuana is not in the Bible, right? And there's a lot of delicate topics not specifically addressed in the scriptures. Nuclear weapons are not dealt with in the Bible, right? Uh, Regulations about how much screen time we should have from a device. It's not mentioned in the scripture. But when it comes to difficult conversations, what we find out is there are biblical principles that do help build a foundation, that do help govern our thinking and our approach to these issues. And so that's the kind of biblical foundation or biblical worldview that we're going to seek to find this morning. So I encourage you, please, to grab your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one underneath the seat in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible, that is our gift to you today. Please keep that. Uh, But for all of us that this matches our worldview, I invite you to join with us in our tradition of holding up our Bibles And saying this creed together as we jump in this morning. The Bible is the word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. Thank you. Please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, it's page 897 if you're using one of those Bibles from the seat in front of you. And uh, we'll actually get to that text in just a minute. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and just hold your place there for a second. What we're going to do is we're going to look at six biblical principles that I think have more to do uh, with life than just the topic of marijuana. But most surely they let us address the topic of marijuana. And so if, if you're a person who, who would say, I've never used marijuana and I never would, so how is this applicable to me? These biblical principles are guiding principles for life. For those who would say that it's a past issue, not a current issue, so how is this relevant to me? I would say these six principles are principles for life. And certainly for someone who is maybe unconvinced that God has an opinion on this, I would encourage you to lean in. Biblical principle number one is this, quite simply, obey the law. The first biblical principle regarding marijuana that needs to be discussed because we are Texans is all throughout scriptures, the theme of scripture is that the law is given by God and is to be obeyed. When it is good and when it is moral and when it is just, the people of God don't have conversations about whether or not we obey the law. We're called to obey the law. In Romans chapter 13, verse number 1, the Apostle Paul tells the church at Rome, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there actually is no authority except from God. And those governing authorities that do exist have been instituted by God. It's really quite simple for us today. It's illegal. Don't do it. Pretty simple, right? But it's more complex than that. 
in, in ways that maybe it shouldn't be. Because I've had conversations with believers about this issue who have said to me, I know it's illegal, but... I know it's illegal, but it shouldn't be. It's not nearly as harmful as alcohol, and alcohol is legal, and so we're hypocrites that it's not legalized. But it's still illegal. I've also heard from Christians, I know it's illegal, but it won't always be. Legislation's going to change eventually. And here's the thing. I agree with that guess. I think it's probably going to be legal in the state of Texas in our lifetime. But here's what also is clear. It's not today. As the people of God, we respect the law. If we claim to be Bible-believing Christians, that is. We're called to obey the law. Now, as more and more states legalize marijuana, and as this becomes more and more of a divisive issue, we're finding that the culture's opinion has changed radically on this. Last year, according to a Gallup poll, 66% of Americans favor the legalization of marijuana. 66%. Two out of every three Americans are for the legalization of marijuana. Here's what's very interesting to me. According to Pew Research, they did this same research back in the year 2000. And almost the reverse was true. In 2000, according to Pew Research, 63% of Americans at that time did not favor the legalization of marijuana. This research by Gallup was done last year. So in 18 years, we had a complete turn of opinion in public opinion. It's really interesting. There's a lot of momentum that is for the legalization of marijuana. That's why I think the conversation has to begin with the biblical principle of obeying the law. But we need to have more conversation than that for when we visit our loved ones in Colorado and in case the laws change here. So here's biblical principle number two. Even if the law changes, this will still be true. Our bodies belong to the creator. Our bodies belong to God. It's not just the decision that we're making on our own or for ourselves. And we look to our text now in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we've been here uh, just in the last recent weeks as we've talked about Uh, Some other issues, including last week. Verse 12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's good for us. There's plenty of legal things that aren't good for us, right? All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. I don't want anything to have authority over me, even if it's legal. And in this context, it's talking about uh, religious liberty, uh, not necessarily governmental legalities. But I think the application still applies. Listen, just because something's legal doesn't mean it's good for us. So let's continue the conversation. The context of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is about the body. As a matter of fact, the next part of the conversation, he talks about food. He's not talking about edibles, just for the record. But he begins to talk about food, and then he begins to talk about sexual sin, which is a verse we looked at a few weeks ago. The end of verse 13 says, The body is not meant, the purpose of the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is meant for the body. And so what we discover is this absolutely is a conversation about sexual immorality, but the broader biblical principle is our bodies aren't ours. They were meant for God, and that would be maybe bad news if it weren't for the fact that he's meant for us. He's good, and he's for us. We skip down to verse 19. 
Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Our bodies don't belong to us. And what we do with them matters to God. Because what's at stake here is not my freedom, my rights, or my will. What's at stake here is the glory of God. What I do with my body either brings glory to God or it brings glory to myself. And as we approach this specific topic, we need to be reminded again, kind of our our core thought with this whole sermon series has been that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. That God, when he formed our bodies, placed his image on us and that changes everything. It means it matters what I'm doing with my body or to my body. And, and so we need to ask the question, what happens when I use marijuana? That answer might seem simple. You get high. You get a buzz. And that's true, but how? Why? The reason that we get a buzz is because we've ingested a chemical that's known on the street as THC. It's tetrahydrocannabinol, which is a psychoactive, mind-altering, and intoxicating chemical. And again, the THC levels of today's marijuana is significantly higher than from a couple generations ago. It alters our minds and our moods. And here's the thing. One of the comments frequently made by those who are pro-legalization, they'll say... Marijuana is not near as bad for you as alcohol, physically. And technically, that's, that's probably true. Probably alcohol does more harm to our bodies. But I would push back on that argument, though. Just because something isn't as bad for us doesn't mean it's good for us. Just because something isn't as harmful doesn't mean it's safe. Just because something is legal doesn't mean it's helpful. Studies reveal consistently that marijuana slows the mind, dulls the memory, damages the immune system, diminishes motivation, damages the heart, and when smoked, does profound harm to the lungs. And there's a couple things that I just feel like the culture is not being loud enough about that I want to be loud about this morning. I would say this about how it affects our bodies that belong to God. There is overwhelming research that it profoundly harms the brain of a young person when they use marijuana. When the brain is still developing, overwhelming research is that profound harm is done to the development of the brain when it's used by young people. And we need to be louder about this. It's not safe. It's not natural. It's not good. The other thing that I feel like isn't being talked loud enough about is the the overwhelming amount of research that's revealing a connection between marijuana usage and psychological disorders. I don't know why we're not talking more about this. More and more in the mental health community, they're finding out that we are misdiagnosing in overwhelming numbers bipolar disorder and schizophrenia when it's actually the effects of drugs on the brain. 
I am not saying that every person diagnosed with bipolar or that every person who's battling with uh, schizophrenia is a drug user. Don't hear that exaggerated. But in an effort to not exaggerate it, we're not saying that there is a connection. That sometimes we're, we're medicating a problem without diagnosing the cause. It's hurting our culture. It is harming our society. It's not morally neutral. It's bad for the body. And as the people of God who recognize uh, that we are image bearers of a living God, we need to have a voice in this. So the first thing I would say is obey the law. Biblical principle number one. The second biblical principle is our bodies aren't ours. Our bodies belong to God. And biblical principle number three, which we discussed in great detail last week, is intoxication is a sin. We believe that God is opposed, that God disallows intoxication. Matter of fact, Scripture is very, very clear on this. And I agree that marijuana is not as dangerous and is not as harmful as alcohol. And so a lot of people equate this, this topic. When I began the research back in June, what I found is most of the authors I most respect when they're dealing with the topic biblically, they deal with the topic of drunkenness. Last week we discussed from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, or that leads to debauchery, or that is debauchery and leads to debauchery. Conversely, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In the same way that the Holy Spirit directs our thinking and our view of the world and the way that we react and the way that we respond. In the same way, don't give away that control to anything else. One of the things we'll mention later as we talk is wine is not the problem here. It's giving away our control to it. In other words, Paul is not telling uh, the church at Ephesus, you can get drunk with other forms of alcohol. Wine isn't the issue here. It's control. It's the altered state that he's addressing here, which is why he says be filled with the Spirit. Overwhelmingly, the Scriptures say that drunkenness is strongly forbidden. It takes away understanding. It leads to poverty. It leads to sorrow. It leads to strife. It's the opposite here in the contrast of being filled with the Spirit. Now, if we talk about the fact that being intoxicated by marijuana is, is our analogy with being intoxicated with alcohol, we've got to understand that there's a lot of differences, right? I'm not saying that we're comparing necessarily apples to apples here. Or spiked apple cider. To, I don't know. Um, we're not comparing the same thing. I understand that. One of the major differences is uh, legally, most states would say that a person, uh, depending on their pace of drinking, uh, would become legally intoxicated. Uh, an average size male with five drinks, an average size female with four drinks. I know some people think that a Christian would be intoxicated sooner than that by biblical definition, but I'm not here to debate that. The point is this, legally a person is altered or intoxicated by marijuana after one to four puffs of a joint. I was told in the first service that puff is not what you call it, but I'm just not that cool to use the word toke. So we're going to say puff. One to four puffs versus five drinks a person becomes intoxicated much 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 quicker is the point another difference is that alcohol breaks down and leaves the system pretty quickly where thc stays in the system for weeks 
up to three weeks, still having an effect on the way that our system works. There's a whole lot of other differences. The ways that alcohol and marijuana harm us are different. But the most important difference for this morning's conversation is this. The most important difference with marijuana is that intoxication is its only recreational purpose. In other words, the one reason marijuana is used is the one use for which God forbids the abuse of alcohol. In the book, Can I Smoke Pot? by Tom Breeden and Mark Ward, they said this, The thing we are forbidden by Scripture to do with alcohol appears to be just about the only thing we can possibly do with marijuana recreationally. It's the whole purpose. So for a believer, even if it's legal, that doesn't mean it's good for my body And that doesn't mean I can participate in this without being intoxicated. It's possible to have a glass of wine without giving control over to alcohol. But the very intent of recreational marijuana use is becoming intoxicated. Here's how Doug Wilson said it. He said, the one thing pot does for you, get you buzzed, is the one use prohibited concerning alcohol. Referencing what we discussed earlier, when Paul tells us not to be drunk with wine, he did not mean that getting drunk with beer or scotch was acceptable. The problem is not the wine, but rather the loss of self-control. And because such mental impairment is the whole point of smoking pot, recreational marijuana use is a serious sin from the very first toke on down. And then he says this, no one smokes pot because it pairs nicely with the fish. (laughs) And all of the teetotalers in the room are like, why did they laugh? I don't get it. The sole purpose of smoking marijuana is what Scripture clearly forbids with alcohol. So I, I, I would come back to this foundation, obey the law. Where we live, it's still illegal. Even if it was legal, though, I believe our bodies are not ours. They belong to God. And we're supposed to be careful with what we do with them. Now, to be fair, there's a lot of things we do that are as harmful to our bodies as marijuana would be that we're kind of hypocritical about. Overuse of caffeine, fried foods, sugary sweets. Our bodies belong to the Lord. The third thing I would say is I believe the scriptures are absolutely clear that intoxication is a sin. And you cannot use marijuana without the purpose, let alone outcome, of intoxication. Now, I told you I was going to present six biblical principles. I'm going to hit pause on those six while we're right here in the middle. Those are the first three. I'm going to kind of put a parenthesis, and I want to address very briefly medical marijuana use. And I want to talk about this. Again, briefly, um, because everything we've discussed up to this point has been about recreational marijuana use. And I will tell you that I'm going to kind of talk out of both sides of my mouth. I'm going to confess that prior to doing that. Is I'm going to say what might sound a little bit like contradictory statements on this. The first thing I would say about medical marijuana usage is I, was, I would quote from John Piper, I doubt that we should oppose a regulated medical use of marijuana controlled by appropriate physician oversight and prescriptions. Every word in that sentence is important. 
um, regulated and, and uh, appropriate oversight. And then Piper says this, many drugs are sold by prescription, which if they were abused would be even more destructive than marijuana, which I would say stronger than that, would be much more destructive than marijuana. We are currently prescribing medicines at alarming rates that have far worse effects on the body, on the mind, and on culture than marijuana does. So to oppose a, uh, a, a healthy system of oversight where it is helpful, in, and, and listen, the evidence is pretty overwhelming that it's helpful in a lot of medical conditions. Now I'm going to talk out of the other side of my mouth. I would ask a couple questions about the legalization medically of marijuana. The first question I would ask is, where is this heading? What is this leading to? Where is the medical legalization of marijuana leading to? And I would ask that because overwhelmingly in states that have legalized medical marijuana, within an average of 15 years, they have legalized recreational use. Okay? And so it seems to be a legislation that that is just a means to a broader ends. I personally do not subscribe to the theory that marijuana is a gateway drug. The evidence is not very convincing. That's a phrase that a lot of people use uh, in the conservative world is marijuana is a gateway drug. If you smoke weed, you're going to end up snorting something else. And that's not necessarily been proven um, statistically to be true. But I do believe that medical marijuana is a gateway legislation because we have seen it continue to lead to widespread access and legalization of marijuana. So I would ask the question, what, to what end? What, what is this leading to? Very cautiously and very respectfully, I would ask a second question. Do I trust my moral decision-making with some of the same doctors who have prescribed the opioid epidemic? I believe that what I do with my body is a moral conversation because I believe my body was created by God and belongs to Him. So that means everything that's affecting my body is a moral conversation. And so I need to ask, man, do I really trust that? Now, I want to be really clear here. The reason I said I don't think we should necessarily oppose that is most Christians are not opposed to the prescribing of oxycodone or of morphine, which are far more abused, are far more harmful to the body, are far more addictive, far, far more addictive than marijuana has proven to be. But I still want to slow down. Some of my dear friends pastor in Ohio and West Virginia and Kentucky, the the tri-state area, which is being wrecked by the opioid epidemic. It's heartbreaking. It's devastating. In towns like Huntington, West Virginia, where one in four adults are addicted to some type of opioid. It's profound. And so here's the thing. I don't necessarily trust that every doctor in the U.S. who's licensed to give medical care shares the same worldview as me. They don't necessarily look at the body the same way that I look at the body or at moral decisions the same way I look at moral decisions. So I'm not going to outsource that necessarily to the same medical community who has done so. And here's, here's part of why I say this as well. So in California, uh, medical marijuana usage is legal, Okay. So in the state of California, what I would tell you is the average medical user of marijuana is a 32-year-old white male with no diagnosed chronic illness. A young, educated guy who doesn't actually have anything wrong with him. 
Now, maybe you would say, but man, there's, there's tons of research that, that marijuana helps with uh, those who are suffering through chemotherapy because of cancer. I agree. There is a lot of research that reveals that. In the state of California, 2% of marijuana prescriptions are to cancer patients. 2%. 94% of marijuana prescriptions in the state of California are to adults that have no diagnosed pain. If they have pain, it's just undiagnosed. Their pain is so severe that they need a prescription for weed, but their pain never made it into their medical charts. Right? So I don't just think that legalization is is something that doesn't need some conversations around it. I'm not saying we should oppose medical usage. We just need to ask some questions like, what's the end of this? Do we really trust moral decisions with those who have a different worldview than us? And then I really want to park here for a second, and maybe you don't care about this, but... I think we need to ask the question, logically, is THC necessary for all medical help? Because what we've discovered is many of the medical benefits come from just the CBD extract, which is legal and which is regulated. Does the psychotic uh, component, um, THC, is that necessary? And we have found in some cases it is. For those with seizures, that that component uh, seems to be necessary. For those suffering from MS... Uh, that seems to be necessary for those who are uh, enduring chemotherapy. That seems to be ne- But in many of the other cases, the benefit of, of uh, reducing inflammation and whatnot, the THC isn't necessary. I, I just say all that to say I think we need to have more conversations and be more educated as a people so that we can enter into this conversation since 66% of the culture seems to think we should legalize this. End of parenthesis. That was the conversation about medical usage, okay? So our six biblical principles. One is, biblical principle number one is, obey the law. Biblical principle number two is, our bodies belong to God. Biblical principle number three is, intoxication is a sin. But here's the heart of what I want you to hear today, and then we'll just rush through the last two. Only Jesus can satisfy the longings of the human heart. So the way I would say this if I was like the old country preacher is, there ain't no high like the most high. And that might be a little cheesy, but it's true. He's better. There is something that's better. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path, singular path of life. Where does that path lead? The presence of God. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Not just a little bit of joy. There's fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's something better than escaping my pain. His name is Jesus. There's something better than numbing my feelings. His name is Jesus. See, as the church, we're not just saying, hey, don't get high. That looks like fun. God doesn't want you to enjoy anything. Are you new? No, the message is there's something better. There's something much better, namely himself. A Christian counselor named Ed Welch, an author, he said this, The use of mind-altering drugs and alcohol always raises the question, what is so wrong with everyday life? 
you know what the answer to that question is? A lot. We live in a really broken world. We live in a broken world with broken bodies and broken promises and broken people. And for many people, the pain of this brokenness is something they don't want to live in. It's something they want to run from. It's something they want to escape. And I understand, I understand why so many people can't deal with the pain of life. I understand what you're running from. But Ed Welch continues, in response, the Christian church hopes that we can offer someone better. Not something better, someone better. Who reveals us to a larger reality and the possibilities of true peace and joy. His name is Jesus. Listen, we don't, we don't believe in a reality where we have to just check out. And just about everything good in this life, food, friendships, Facebook, just about everything in this life can become some form of escapism or self-medication. We just believe there's a better way. In that book, Can I Smoke Pot, Tom Breeden and Max Ward said this, God is better than drunkenness. He's better than getting high. And he's opposed to both things because they are false and harmful escapes. Pitiful, idolatrous substitutes for the experience of his presence and his favor. If you're a Christian, the experience of God's unending love and mercy can be richly and abundantly yours if you reach out to him. There is something better. We're not offering the conclusion of, man, don't get high, just stay low. (laughs) We're challenging the world. Find true healing. Find lasting peace. Fight for abiding joy in the presence of the living God. And, And repeatedly, through every bit of research that's been done in modern history, both adults and teenagers have said that that the biggest reasons why they smoke pot, other than peer pressure, are because of depression and anxiety. They're down and they just want to feel better. But here's the heartbreaking reality. Clinical research reveals that we're actually making the depression and anxiety worse. Because by definition, every high must be followed with a low And what the clinical research is revealing is when we drop back down, when we crash, when we come back to the low, the low is usually lower than it was when it started. The low after the high tends to be lower than it was before the high. And then the research reveals that the next high usually isn't as high as the last high. And so we start off down and we try to get high, but then we crash further. And then we try to get high, but we don't get as high, but we crash even further. And what we see is this downward trend because we're chasing after a substitute that's only found in true healing and freedom. And I get it. This world hurts. This world is broken, but maybe in the midst of that suffering... There's something that God has leveraged to change your life. I really think that we think in modern culture today that the mission of life is to escape suffering and always feel good. And then that doesn't match reality because it's not real. The message of Christianity acknowledges 
the reality of suffering. I love what Tim Keller said. He said, Christianity teaches us that suffering is real. And even more, it acknowledges it's often unfair. But there is a purpose to it. And if faced rightly, it can drive us like a nail deep into the love of God. And into more stability and spiritual power than you can ever imagine. Some of the strongest, most joy-filled believers I know are those who have suffered much. But they have endured with hope, believing in the faithfulness of God. And they're better for their suffering. What we're trying to escape and numb is being leveraged by a loving God for our good. I believe as a culture that that this marijuana topic is just a small picture of the overarching addiction to pleasure. I believe we are addicted to the idea of a life that's only full of happiness and good circumstances. And friend, that is not what God promises us in this broken life. He promises us that in the life to come. That's why we cling to hope in the presence of God is there is coming a day where everything that is wrong will be made right. For those that are hurting this morning, what I would say to you is this light and momentary affliction is not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed. There is something better. We hope for the day when our faith becomes sight. And until then, we don't escape reality and lie to ourselves about reality and numb ourselves from reality. As the people of God, we endure with faith, believing that only Jesus, only Jesus can satisfy the longings of the human heart. Jesus is better. And so we pursue him. Biblical principle number five. Have this conversation as a family. We believe in a, in a biblical worldview that passes from one generation to the next through the home. We believe, mom and dad, you are, you are mom and dad on purpose. A sovereign God has given those children to you. We trust you because God entrusted them to you. And the job of making disciples of the next generation does not belong to the church or to the Christian school. It's to mom and dad. And we encourage you to have these conversations because what we're seeing, the trends of all statistical data, is that this is a growing, influential issue among the next generation. We think you should be the voice to speak into that. And maybe for you, you would say, but I'm in that over 50% that's used marijuana. What am I going to say? I encourage you to say, hey, I've smoked weed. Don't do it. Jesus is better. Be honest. Have the conversation. I mean, don't say that if you didn't, but have the conversation. I I recently read a statistic that shocked me from the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse. It said this. Families who eat dinner together most of the nights of the week. Families who eat dinner together. Just eat dinner together. Not who talk about controversial topics at dinner, just to eat dinner together. Those kids are more than twice as likely to avoid drugs and alcohol. 
That's amazing to me. Families who just have a meal together. And I don't think the meal is what's magical. It's the idea of families who make space for family. Families who make space for real conversations about real life stuff. Man, those kids are more than twice as likely to avoid alcohol and marijuana. What a profound reason to just sit down together. If you don't know how to answer those conversations, reach out to us. We have some very specific resources on this exact conversation today that we can put in your hand. You are equipped and you are qualified or God wouldn't have given you those kids in this hour, in this generation, and in this day. You got this. Start the conversation. So the biblical foundation for approaching the topic of marijuana and whatever else you're facing today is principle number one, obey the law. Principle number two, we need to continue to remember our bodies aren't ours. They belong to God. Number three, intoxication, we believe, is always a sin. The alternative is better, though. The other side of the coin, principle number four, is only Jesus can satisfy the longings of the human heart. Biblical principle number five is that we as a family are having these conversations. That we're believing that Yahweh is God and we're loving Him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we're teaching that to the next generation when we walk by the way, when we lie down, when we sit in our house, when we rise. We're having this conversation as a family. And here's the final biblical principle. There is always grace in Jesus. See, if if this is something that you'd say, man, I I, I have done this in the past and I've beaten myself up here today. Listen, the the full overarching meta-narrative of Scripture is that we serve a loving God who's full of grace and compassion, who's slow to anger, and who's quick to forgive. And, And for the person who would say, that's not my past, it's my present. Or maybe it's not marijuana, it's something else that you are feeling convicted about that has authority over you this morning. And I just want to say... It does not have authority over the children of God. It might feel like it has authority over you. It might look like it has authority over you. It might seem like it has authority over you. But Jesus Christ did not die and raise for the dead for you to be defeated. He's come to set you free. His power is available to you. There is grace in Jesus Christ. And I want to say specifically to our young people, there's enough grace in Jesus that you can fight against the statistics. You can be the abnormal ones who say no. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. If this is something, or or maybe last week's topic about alcohol, or maybe some other issue is something that you truly feel like you can't get free from, friend, I want you to know today, you are not alone. We would love to walk with you through that. Because we believe what Christ has accomplished in his death and resurrection, can change your life and can set you free. Man, send us a text, send us an email, come talk to us, send a pigeon with a note around its leg. Just reach out, please. There's grace in Jesus. We are here for you. You know why? Because we believe Jesus is better. And he's not just better, his way is better when we trust him. Always better for us. That's how we flourish. That is the truth in love.